Today on CityCast Denver, Colorado's senior Senator Michael Bennett is up for re-election next month. And if he wins, he would become the longest-serving senator in state history, according to the Colorado Sun. No. <laughs> Come on, as our glorious leader deposed in Washington would always say, fake news. So who was, if not Henry Bennett? Moore Kellett? is elected as among Colorado's first United States senators in 1876. Four huh. consecutive terms, maybe even it was five, if I could count up to those high numbers, Ed Johnson serves three consecutive My friend, terms the wildly three. opinionated historian Phil Goodstein, has just published the third and final volume in his History of Denver Public Schools. It covers Bennett's time as superintendent. So I thought, who better than Phil to tell the Michael Bennett story before ballots show up in our mailboxes this week? Oh, and something you should know about Phil is that he's one of a kind. He knows Denver history like none other. But sometimes talking to him can feel like you're barely keeping up on one of his famous walking tours. So lace up. It's time to talk politics. Today is Monday, October 17th. I'm Paul Caroli, in for Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Phil Goodstein, welcome to CityCast Denver. Hello. So Phil, I gotta tell you, I, I've always thought about Michael Bennett as like kind of a cipher. Like I've never really understood who he is or where he came from, but now that he's likely going to be representing us again, I need to know, I, I feel like we need to know where he came from and like what, what his whole deal is. So, so that's the story I want to hear from you, Phil. Where does it start? Tell me about where Michael Bennett came from. Okay, Michael Bennett is part of the Washington, D.C. elite. His father was extremely influential back in the 50s and 60s in the State Department and in Democratic Party leadership rules. And basically what happens is Michael Bennett is not really a Denver person. He is an East Indian. And in particular, he is actually born in India when his father is working for the State Department in the United States huh. Embassy. Soon his father returns to Washington, the Bennett family, true hometown, and he sends his son to St. Albans. And St. Albans is among the elite private schools of Washington because, of course, the ruling class does not send its children to public schools. <laughs> well, anyway, Michael Bennett proceeds on to his father's alma mater, Wesleyan University. And Wesleyan University is what is sometimes called a sub-Ivy League school, a place that isn't quite Ivy League in terms of its reputation, but has a distinguished program, set of alumni, connections with everybody. From there, he makes his way through law school, and all of a sudden, here he is right after being a clerk for only a judge of the United States Circuit Court of Appeals. Hmm. He is smack into the Justice Department under Bill Clinton in the 1990s. And of course, he is just this brilliant man who in no time is a speechwriter for especially the under 
attorney general. Sometimes he's writing speeches for Janet Reno along the way. So he's like really this like East Coast elite, like really in the circles of power. How does he end up in Denver? Love brings him to Denver. He claims he is bored with the law in Washington and the Department of Justice. And he gets engaged to a young woman who is from Arkansas. Mm -hmm. And she's also from Yale Law School, active in Washington, D.C. Right after they get married, she is named the Rocky Mountain Regional Coordinator of the Earth Justice Legal Defense Fund. And so he tags along with her to Denver. But of course, he needs a job out here mm -hmm. and knows nothing about Denver, but he launches a letter writing campaign. And towards this end, he tries to rely on the alumni network of Wesleyan University. Among the Wesleyan alumni at this time is David Skaggs, United States Congressman from Boulder. He gets nothing from Skaggs. He gets nothing from a bar owner, John Hickens, something or other of that <laughs> itself on that. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, thanks to an unsolicited letter, he gets called in by Philip Anschutz. And Anschutz looks him over and says, I think you have a great future in corporate America. I want you to go to work for me. At least that's one version of what happened. Yeah, it sounds like you don't really believe that. But obviously they're, they're connected in some way, and Anschutz sees some potential in this guy. But Anschutz is actually a very demanding boss. He isn't into nepotism as such, and he demands that before Bennett can go to work for him, he better actually take some business classes. So anyway, Bennett lands up at the Auraria Higher Education Campus of that, and it's a revelation for Bennett down at Auraria. It is the first time in his life he's actually been in any level of a public school, elementary, <laughs> high school, college, whatever. And he soon goes to work for the expanding Anschutz network. Towards mm -hmm. this end, he soon is scoring a coup for the Anschutz organization and taking over a chain of endangered movie theaters. He gets a nice commission of $6 million or so mm -hmm. for his efforts on that. And right when he seems to be a rising executive in the Anschutz organization. He also ties up with a fellow alumnus from Wesleyan, John Hickenlooper. And Bennett finds himself very, very much at home at the Wine Coop Brew Pub. And soon he's a drinking buddy with Hickenlooper. Okay. This is then about the time that Hickenlooper is deciding he's moving on from being a bar owner and a real estate developer into politics. He runs a very, very clever campaign for mayor in 2003, easily wins the election as a seemingly quirky outsider who's also very much an insider. And the first thing that Hickenlooper needs is a good chief of staff. And there's two versions of what happens next of this. He knows that the ideal man to be his chief of staff is Michael Bennett, 
who at least knows drinking and the Broncos, if nothing else. And Anschutz is so upset by this, he calls up Hickenlooper and berates Hickenlooper. Why are you stealing this valuable executive from me? According to the other version of what happens is that Hickenlooper, who is part of the establishment, contacts Anschutz and asks for a recommendation. Who would be a good person to represent your empire in my administration, possibly as chief of staff? So Bennett moves over to City Hall. Hmm. And apparently for Hickenlooper's first two years, Bennett is really the guy that is running City Hall. Well, we don't don't know. We don't know what their relationship is, right? I think we have – I've read a little bit about that time, but – we don't know who was making the decisions in in Hickenlooper's administration. I mean, that's I I just have to call out some some. You're bringing some perspective to it, Phil. But go on. Well, no. In terms of the actual political decisions, those are the mayor. Mm-hmm. In terms of the day to day administration of how City Hall is operating. That is the role of the chief of staff. At least that's the theory of what the division is supposed to be between these two people. But anyway, Hickenlooper is essentially in charge. And one thing about Hickenlooper is he is sometimes seems to be, or some of his disgruntled employees have claimed, he's apt to have temper tantrums. He constantly is changing the top people around him. And this is the situation in 2005 when Jerry Wartgau, who's essentially a corporate education executive, resigns after four years as superintendent of Denver Public Schools. Hickenlooper thereupon decides that Michael Bennett should be Denver's next superintendent of schools. Yeah, so tell us about that. Bennett is going to become the superintendent of DPS. This is the mid-aughts. Um, wh- why Why would uh, Hickenlooper look to Bennett, this corporate rising star, and think you're the person to run the schools? By the beginning of the 21st century, there is this feeling that corporate executives can do everything, that Wall Street is the place of magic, and that the best and brightest are Wall Street executives, or at least retired or future politicians make very good superintendents as well. So Bennett is not an exception. There is this whole wave of private school boys, corporate executives taking charge of public school systems across the country. So so Bennett so Bennett becomes one of these people, one of these corporate types who takes on a, a, a school district. And I associate him with kicking off the, the school reform movement at DPS. What can you tell us about Bennett's time as superintendent? Well, actually, in the 1990s, you're seeing the launch of charter schools. Under Jerry Wartgau, there is also this idea that corporate money should be dictating policies of Denver public schools. And in particular, they decide that Manual High School, which had been a problematic case since the end of school busing for high school students in 1997, needed to be totally reorganized, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation 
arbitrarily announces that small high schools are better than big high schools. And to prove this, it offers Denver money to carve up manual from a four-year program with about a thousand students into three separate schools sharing the campus but being totally divided among them there. And the thing is a total fiasco. But we could go on yes, and yes. this. In fact, there's a good there's book out on the now. whole the discussion out of this, especially Bennett's role with Manual High School. But he's increasingly pushing this idea of choice. And basically, what choice is saying is that students and their parents have the choice to go to any school in the district that has space for them, even if they don't live nearby. Often choice also requires knowing how to play the rules of the game. A lot of poor immigrant parents don't know what these rules are. The choice is sort of the choice Michael Bennett had when he was in Washington. Should he go to St. Albans? But there were other good private schools. Should he go to right. Wesleyan or should he go to Yale or maybe Brown or someplace like that? All right. All right, Phil. So we're talking about Michael Bennett and his time as superintendent where he brought these like market minded solutions to Denver and to mixed results. Well, not just mixed results, with disastrous results financially. And actually, among the things that Bennett does as superintendent is he gets Denver about $150 million or so in hawk to Wall Street. In fact, there are still some Denver public schools that are not owned by Denver public schools, but Wall Street has mortgages on them thanks to Michael Bennett. But there is nothing to worry about. Wall Street is prosperous. The U.S. is prosperous. Nothing is going to go wrong on Wall Street. And the next thing you know, we yeah, have this is the... 2008. Yes, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. great collapse out of that with massive losses, soaring interest rates out of it where DPS has to on more than one occasion, refinance, where it costs them far more to pay off those loans than they ever saved for the pension fund. All right, he somehow gets from this job uh, as superintendent of DPS to the Senate a couple of years later. I know that's the next step. I don't know how he gets there. Okay, well, the thing about Bennett is he has a magic among the political class especially the affluent political class. This is the situation when United States Senator Ken Salazar resigns in early 2009 to become the Secretary of the Interior. And looking around for a replacement, Bill Ritter. Then governor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, governor, who's not really part of old money, but is very desirous of identifying with old money and new money and other such things tabs Bennett for the United States Senate. He had never run for a political office. He had never been active 
in the organization, doing precinct work, soliciting voters. Rather, he was sort of the boy with the silver spoon in his mouth that was there. And early on, Bennett had very, very strong political ambitions. Stories claim that back in his days at St. Albans, he's already politically active, involved student government, general politics, and he announces that he's going to land up in the White House someday. So so Bill Ritter appoints Bennett to the Senate, and he's been there ever since. I mean, let's let's like take a broader view here. Like what characterizes Bennett's time as senator in your mind, Phil? Well, he does have this ability of a pleasing personality, the ability to go along. And he also has a very, very strong corporate democratic machine behind him. For example, in 2010, Bennett is now something of the enfant terrible of the Senate Democratic Caucus. And to prove this, in 2014, he is named the head of the Democratic Senate Campaign Committee. And this is to help members of their party either retain control of a House or the Senate or to throw the other set of rascals out and gain control Mm -hmm. out of it there. 2014 is as devastating an election the Democratic Party had suffered in at least 50 years. Maybe 1966 is the closest I can think of. And the guy that's most responsible for this is Michael Bennett. And the reason that Michael Bennett is responsible for this is he, as the head of the campaign committee, is telling all the other candidates, you got to be like me. you got to be reasonable. you got to be mild. Let these Republican extremists go off and make such fools of themselves that they are going to self-destruct. There's no repercussions to Bennett on this. He seems to have this Teflon personality where it doesn't matter what he does, what he says, or what he doesn't do. There's no accountability for him itself there. Like one of the things that well, people— Well, no, that's not true, though, because he keeps winning elections. That's the accountability well, for let's a politician. Get in, okay, let's get into the 2016 election. This time— the Republicans come up with a total non-entity as their candidate for the United States Senate. And once more, Bennett wins by the narrowest of pluralities. Actually, he wins Colorado by about the same spread as Hillary Clinton does. Once more, he fails to get a majority of the total votes cast. Hmm. But he goes on and see what I'm saying about Bennett also is what all are the responsibilities of a member of Congress? And often what constituents want is services. They get a problem with the federal bureaucracy. They see that federal funds are paying for a very bad local program, and they want to complain to their member of Congress about this. They used to complain about this to Pat Schroeder, 
And she was magic. She did things. She answered constituent mail. She made a nuisance of herself so much in the federal bureaucracy. I don't see that in Diana DeGette in the slightest. I don't really see that in Michael Bennett. I don't see that in John Hickenlooper. Mm-hmm. Diana DeGette, of course, succeeded Pat Schroeder as representative of, uh, of Denver in the U.S. House of Representatives. All right. Well, I mean, Phil, you've lobbied a lot of criticisms of Bennett along the way. It's a long story. He's had a long career. Um, he's up for election next month, running against Republican Joe O'Day, another Denver guy, maybe with someone we should talk about more. What do you think? you going to vote for him? Bennett or O'Day? Well, I'm sure there's a third party crank out there that I would much prefer. But if you want to know more about that, my new book is Schools for a New Century that takes basically Denver public schools from the end of school busing to COVID. It includes a contemporary political history of the city and the state. All right, great. Well, we'll put a link to learn more about the the book and the whole volume in our show notes. Phil Goodstein, thanks so much for joining us on CityCast Denver. Or bah humbug, as some of us say. (laughs) And here's what else Denverites are talking about. E-bikes. Denverite reports that the city's wildly popular rebate program that we couldn't stop talking about all summer long has already blown through their whole budget for the next three years. People are already talking about lobbying city council to approve more funding. And I mean, wow, what more can you say? What a huge success. And finally, Halloween is coming up and we're on the hunt for Denver's spookiest stories. I'm talking about ghost stories, murders, most foul, hauntings, whatever you got, we want to hear them. So call us up and leave a voicemail with your name and neighborhood, and you might hear your story on the show soon. Maybe even with some spooky sound effects. Ooh. Our number is 720-500-5418. And that's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell Michael Bennett about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our newsletter, Hey Denver, which you can get every morning if you text Denver to 66866 right now. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See ya. Ed Johnson serves three consecutive terms from the 1930s into the 1950s itself. Gordon Allett is elected 1954, serves 18 years till 1972. (laughs) I love it. That's why we're talking to you, Phil.